G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. Happy New Year everyone and what a year it was in 2020, one that most of us would probably rather forget, but through it all Australia's truckies kept delivering the goods, rolling on through the most difficult circumstances and situations and just getting the job done regardless. Well done to everyone in our transport industry, you kept the nation moving forward, often at great personal sacrifice and you have every reason to feel mightily proud of yourselves and your colleagues. For this, our first episode of On The Road for 2021, we're bringing you a wrap of last year's shows, the incisive interviews, the great music and more. If you missed any of these shows, don't forget you can always go back and check them out at your leisure. We look forward to having your company through 2021. To get us off to a great start, here's Jane Denham and Tony Justice with Long Distance Love. Cheers. It's a rainy night in Georgia Heading out to California Counting days till I hold you again Well, it's cold in Colorado They're calling more snow for tomorrow All I hear is lonesome in the wind It ain't easy, love Someone who's always on the road But I take your heart with me Everywhere I go I just called to say I miss you Girl, you're always on my mind Here we are again tonight In this long-distance flight Two hearts on There's a fire that burns between us And the miles will never keep us From fanning that old flame when we're apart And these 18 wheels are rolling Don't matter Oh, yeah.
It ain't easy loving someone who's always on the road. Girl, I take your heart with me everywhere I go. I just called to say I miss you. Girl, you're always on my mind. Say, here we are again tonight. In this long distance love, with your heart. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. In the very first episode of On the Road, we spoke with Senator Glenn Stuhl and Rod Hanafy. Here's a little of what they had to say. We're going to kick off with Senator Glenn Stuhl. We're just going to have a chat now about the inquiry. I just wanted to see, Glenn, where this thing came from and what you think you can actually do with it in the finish. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the opportunity. The inquiry came about because prior to the last federal election, I had gathered a heap of industry representatives and said to them, and before anyone jumps on me, industry representatives being the ones that are out there, either representing owner drivers or representing companies or representing drivers, employees, the whole lot, and said, look, if there was to be a change at the next election being last May, what do we want to do? And I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to work very, very closely with industry because we had the RSRT, to which I have said numerous of times, I supported the theory of the RSRT. I supported the concept of giving owner drivers the opportunity to go somewhere, not get screwed over, not have to go and employ and engage lawyers. Rod Hanafy decided to join me on the inaugural episode of On the Road. So how are you, Rod? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Not bad at all. You've done a lot of stuff for road safety. That's been your bag the whole time. You've recently presented your evidence to the Senate inquiry. Do you think there's going to be anything come out of this inquiry, mate? I mean, you've been banging your head against the road surface here for like 20-odd years, haven't you? Well, as you say, mate, I, I contributed to the Beyond the Midnight Oil inquiry. I contributed to the federal government inquiry into road safety in 2003. And whilst out of that inquiry in 2003, there were 35 recommendations. Three of them were specifically mine, one of which was the green reflectors, although it does say marking informal bays with coloured reflector markers. Mm. There was another two I had a hand in. One was the idea of marking the length of overtaking lanes so that if you're on a road you're not familiar with, you come on an overtaking lane, instead of seeing that it goes round the corner and you're not knowing whether it goes for the next two kilometres or 200 metres, 
I wanted to get a, a length, little sign, you know, 1.8 kilometres or one kilometre, and I wrote a piece for the chairman of that committee. And I've got to say, mate, of all of those recommendations, to my knowledge, not one of them was ever action. Saying that, I don't know what will come out of this inquiry, but I know that if people don't contribute and don't hold them to account over time, then nothing will change. And the more that contribute, the more sound and the more noise we make, the more likely we are to get something done. Episode 2 included chats with James Graham from Big Rigs and Barry Grimson. Today we're on the road with James Graham, editor of Big Rigs newspaper. They've just had a bit of a resurrection. They've done a bit of a Lazarus and come back to us. So I thought I'd give him a ring and we'd find out what's changed. How are you, James? Oh, I'm great, thanks, Mike. Yeah, like you say, it's great to be back. Yes, we have risen from the dead after News Corp kicked us to the curb. But uh, yeah, we're back out there, back on the road. It's good to be back. Barry Grimson, an inductee in the Road Transport Hall of Fame in Australia. He was one of the six guys who started the blockade at Razorback. He really is a very knowledgeable man. He's seen him come and he's seen him go and he's got a lot of insight. Barry, you've been around for a long time. You had your role in the Razorback blockade back all those years ago and you're still driving around today. You've been an owner-driver, you've been a company driver. And so back in the day of Razorback... In the hours leading up to it, obviously, you'd made the decision that this was what you were going to do, and you had your own truck at that stage, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Of course you did. So these days, you'd have to really think twice about doing what you blokes did. Did you think about what the consequences might be before you did it? Like, did you have a discussion and said, oh, shit, what happens if we do this? Or did you just say, bugger it? I personally had a bit of a think about it because probably before I owned my own truck, I was involved in not as massive, but things similar. Mm. So in effect, I did think about the consequences and I probably knew what the consequences would be, but you were talking about mateship before, Mm. only for mateship. The ultimate thing would have been probably they would have bulldozed the trucks off the road, but because there was mateship in them days, as you spoke about, and blokes with a mutual interest on a subject that had been discussed for bloody 30 years, so when the road was actually blocked, everyone come together. I mean, you're going back into the days of trade union strength, but mm. us blokes were so segregated on the road that we never got together to have meetings and votes and all that sort of thing because uh, <laughs> you had to stop blokes to do that. That was our thought, that you had to stop blokes to do that. And once we did stop it, that was exactly what happened. In episode three, Mike and Kermie waxed lyrical about their test drives of a couple of new Mercedes rigs. G'day, Kermie. G'day, Mike. So I thought, as soon as how it's raining outside, I'd come and say hello to you, see how you were going. Yeah, mate, I'm good. Life is busy and the trucking with Kermie website page is going along okay at the moment. Small steps, but a lot of fun, I've got to say. I saw on your page there that you, like me, have had a drive of these latest Mercedes-Benz Actros things, and I thought, well, who better to have a bit of a chat to than you and see what you thought about it? Because, I don't know, mate, I was pretty impressed with the ones I drove. I drove a couple of them, and I was a little bit sad to give it back, mate. Gee, it was a nice thing to drive. Yeah, I think I wrote when I did the article, one of the, the biggest disappointments I had when I drove that truck was that I had to get out of it at the end of the run. Yeah. It was pretty spectacular. I mean, if you take it from first impressions, and mine was actually climbing into the cab, 
Now, you know, you sit all day behind the wheel of these things mm. and ambiance to me has a certain kudos to it and getting behind the wheel of that, I think I wrote at the time that it was like getting behind the wheel of an S-Class Mercedes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a great place to sit. In episode four, I had a yarn with Roxy Misko about the United Transport Group and Mike spoke with Trevor Warner about a fair go for truckies. Our guest is bringing a strong and united voice to those who need and deserve to be heard. Roxy Misko has launched a new industry group that will lobby government with a united voice. Hi Roxy, good morning, welcome to On The Road. Thank you Andy, it's great to be here. If we touch a little bit on the United Transport Group, what were the actual contributing factors that led you to take on this mammoth task? My reason for doing this is I'm sick of watching industry getting flogged with fines and complex enforcement. So I started the United Transport Group to drive this united front into the changes that's required in the national regulator and other government departments. Mm -hmm. But I think the real difference with us is that we're a national group. Most of the other organisations are state or jurisdiction focused, whereas we will be doing all of that plus industry sectors. Truly national, yeah. Mickey uh, with Trevor Warner, the Queensland Delegate for the National Road Freighters Association. I wanted to ask him what he sees as being issues within the industry, but first of all, just say g'day, Trevor. How are you, mate? G'day, Mickey. Yeah, good, bud. Glad to be here. As you're fully aware, mate, I'm one of these blokes that has the unicorn job. I work for a very good company and I get paid everything I should get paid. Unfortunately, that's not the same for everyone, is it? No, it's not. There's some real horror stories out there of drivers being exploited. Given the amount of laws that we've got in this country governing chain of responsibility and fatigue laws and wages laws, to hear some of the stories is just mind-boggling how they're getting away with it. So it's been one of those ongoing things for years now, people talking about long-distance drivers in particular doing the unpaid work of loading and unloading. How have truck drivers been blocked from fixing the wages problem? Well, once again, it's highly paid lawyers and it's large companies using regulations to assert their dominance in a particular sector. But the government has graciously given us a government agency called the Fair Work Ombudsman. But Mm. as I discovered four or five years ago now, they're extremely limited in what they can do. I actually had an old boss there a while ago. He agreed to pay me X amount of money and that money never came to be. Mm. And when I contacted the ombudsman, they just said, well, we can't force him to pay, so you'll have to take action in court. I had an agreement, so it was pretty well just enforcing that agreement. As it turned out, the boss went broke anyway, and the good old Australian taxpayer with their deep pockets paid those unpaid wages via the fair entitlement guarantee. So the short story of it is is the ombudsman's a bit of a toothless tiger. They can say all they want, but if the employer just digs their heels in and just says, oh, I'm not doing that, then there's no remedial action apart from court action. No, that's exactly right. Episode 5 aired with a fascinating exchange between Mike and Brett Weinberg about technology and trucks, as well as chatting with Lyndon Watson and some great music from Caroline Taylor-Knight. Brent Weinberg is the Vice President of Global Sales and Marketing with Seeing Machines. Seeing Machines manufacture the Guardian, which is a state-of-the-art fatigue monitoring and distraction monitoring system. Brent, how are you, mate? 
Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate getting us on the podcast to help debunk some of the myths that might be floating around this system and also provide some insights and some anecdotes that might help people who use it to operate it better and potentially other people to think about adopting it. That's great, mate. I don't know, you probably aren't aware that I was very, very anti this whole thing when I was told one was going to be put in my truck. I'd been fed all the myth and all the lies. Right. And I believed them. The boss was going to be able to sit there and gaze lovingly at me while I was driving down the road. And <laughs> I wasn't a happy camper. And I think from talking to people since this has started, one of the biggest problems that we've got is there's a lack of information out there. So drivers are not properly informed about what's going on. And of course, I'm sure that you've come across all these objections before, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've traveled around and spoken to a lot of people and sat next to truck drivers. And, you know, we've been on a journey ourselves. And then change management is really the key message in there and educating people. And through all of the work that we've done and through all the deployments we've done, you know, even targeted here in Australia, we've really learned some lessons on how to provide that education. And we do. We have a lot of material that we can share that debunks some of these myths and managers' guides. We do everything we can to provide those to the fleets and the managers that implement this system to educate them to a point where they're able to then pass on that information to the drivers as well. So, who is Lyndon Watson? I'm a family member of Don Watson Transport and Cold Stores. I've done my time working as a yard rat and a truck washer and diesel mechanic and then did some time out driving line haul and such. And since around about 2010, mm -hmm. I've moved back down to Victoria and so now look after the business side of the business. And so now we, uh, as a business, we're, we're running around about 100 line haul trucks up the road of a night. And we've got around another 30 or 40 trucks that are running around locally in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane and uh, in Wodonga. We're moving around, I think it's about 2 million kilos of food a day. Wow.
there's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Hey everyone, Kermy here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. Lyndall Denny joined us for a chat in Episode 6, and Mike gave us something to talk about. Today we're going to find out a little bit about Women in Trucking Australia. Now, I've got with me Lyndall Denny. She is the CEO of Women in Trucking Australia, and she really does walk the talk. This lady has driven in the northwest of Western Australia. Now she's an Adelaide-based road train driver. So, Lyndall, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? What do you drive? Hi, Mike. I am a road train driver. I have my MC licence and I work regionally out of Adelaide. I did come down from the Pilbara to Adelaide about four years ago now. The time flies, doesn't it? And I worked up there during what was the biggest mining boom in the nation's history. So lots of experience, lots of adventures up in the top end. One thing I noticed very quickly when I became a heavy vehicle driver was how very few women pursue the career and that those women who do try to establish careers in trucking, how difficult it is for them to get a break. Every new driver knows about the industry song, come back when you've got three years experience, which is very difficult then nobody will give you a go to get that experience. Mm. So Women in Trucking Australia was set up to support and advocate for women wishing to establish careers and to help those already out on the road. Today I want to touch on a subject that's a little bit dicey but it's one that's raised its ugly head again in our industry and I want to talk a little bit about racism. In the last several days, it's come to my attention there have been a number of Facebook pages that have been created, all having a go at a particular transport company and the nationality and the driving skills of a certain group of drivers. Now, first things first, we have always had foreign drivers in this country. They've always been denigrated, and in my opinion, it's always been unacceptable. Now, let's move on from there. There have been a number of high-profile incidents which have caused a significant amount of drama which caused people to have certain opinions about the way things happen. 
I suppose the one that does readily spring to mind for me was the B-double being jackknifed in the M5 there, just near the airport tunnel, because these two poor guys that were driving the truck followed their GPS, I'm afraid didn't plan their trip out of town properly, and ended up looking at a low tunnel that they couldn't get their 4.6 metre B-double through. Is that their fault? Probably. Is it the company's fault? Probably. But what it's really the fault of is poor training. Episode 7 included Dave, who's worked for 40-plus years in truck parts, as well as Mike's thoughts on the effectiveness of the TWU in this day and age. We are talking today with old mate Dave. Now, Dave has worked for 40-plus years in truck parts. He's worked in the OEM sector. He's worked in the aftermarket sector. Today, we're going to have a bit of a chat about discs and wheels and brakes and trailer axles. It's a dry old subject for some, but it motivates Dave. There you go, mate. Good, Mike. Thank you for having me on your show. No worries, mate. No worries at all. So, what's your favourite axle, mate? Well, what do you call a favourite axle? Because to most truck drivers, axles are axles, okay? So, the general purpose trailer drum axle would probably be for a spare parts bloke, the easiest axle to comprehend and work out what is needed for that particular job. I just wanted to talk about the TWU and what they do or don't do for the industry. I try to keep across whatever's going on. I see various headlines, things written, the TWU are fighting for our jobs and defending industry rates and all that sort of stuff. I would say that the TWU probably has done a few things for the people in the transport industry over the years. But in my opinion, a lot of the time, the TWU is missing in action. And they've been missing in action on big issues for a long time. They're missing in action when it comes to wage theft. They're missing in action when it comes to waiting time at DCs and missing in action when it comes to hourly rates of pay for drivers who should be paid by the hour. Our logbooks are by the hour. Why isn't our pay by the hour for everyone? That you can go and you can pick up any old truck and life magazine or any old owner driver or any old big rigs right back into the mid 70s. And you can see that these issues have raised their head again and again and again. In episode 8, I spoke with Mark Parry from Ron Finnamore Transport, and Mike was joined by Tony and Macca from Tone's Trucking Stories. Our guest on the road this week is Mark Parry, Managing Director of Ron Finnamore Transport. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the road. No problems, Andy. Just to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit of the history of Ron Finnamore Transport and also some of your own background and how you came into the Managing Director's role there? Ron Finnamore Transport really came about some 16 years ago. Ron has been in the transport industry in various guises for well over 50 years now and indeed had a large publicly listed transport company called Finnamore's, which he did sell. Hmm. The reason this company came about is Ron maintained and still maintains to this day a strong passion for transport. He clearly has a group of people who have worked with and for him over a long time, including most of that 50 years and some of our employees have been with Ron for over 35 years now. And wow. So he made a decision that he wanted to restart a transport company. He wanted to continue to support and employ the people that have been supporting him. And in making that decision, he wanted to stay regional rather than metro-based, hence why we're here at Wodonga. 
And he also made a decision that he would prefer to start with something rather than nothing. So our head office here at Wodonga is previously Lewington's business, which Ron bought out of receivership. Mm-hmm. And this business has grown from there, as I said, now in its uh, 16th going on 17th year. Tony and Macca from Tone's Truck and App and Tone's Truck and Stories. They're now calling themselves TruckWiz. They've done a great app, which I have been test running in the truck for the last several weeks. So here they are. How are you, Macca? How are you, Tony? Oh, good. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for having us on the show. I'm well too, Mike. Yeah, great to be here. Let's have a talk about this app. I have spent hundreds of dollars on a top-end Garmin, and your app does the job just as well as my Garmin does. You guys have done a fantastic job. Macca, where did it all come from? Where did you get started, mate? It would have been a Friday night in the Hornsby when I was stuck in traffic and I was lost, believe it or not. I'm going back a few years now. I had a car carrier. Right. And my first time in Sydney, and I never had a truck now, and I got lost. And I tell you now, the stress that came with that very incident, that's how it started. And slowly grew, and then Tony and I partnered up. We both had the same idea. We've both got the same goals. We started building it probably about seven months before I met Tones. And then Tones done the letter to the Senate. I reached out to Tones and we caught up and we have what we have today. You're sort of on the same path, Tony, but Macca was just a little bit in front of you. Is that right? Yeah, I suppose so. Like Macca had probably been working on the app six to 12 months before I was even on the scene. I suppose with my social media page, it brings to light a lot of drums that are with the industry. And I guess when the Senate inquiry came about, I wrote a submission and a big part of mine was actually developing a type of app that was navigational that you could use in every state that was correct. You could put your heights and weights in, but you could actually just use it from your phone. Yep. And one of Macca's mates actually saw my submission when I put it in a video on my Facebook page. And we got in contact and really cliche, but the rest is history, I guess. To coincide with NTI joining us as our major podcast sponsor, in Episode 9, Mike had a chat with Adam Gibson from NTI and was also joined by Dr Vincent Ho for a conversation about good gut health for truckies. Adam Gibson is a transport and logistics risk engineer with NTI. Now, we all know who NTI are. They're one of the largest transport insurers in the country. Adam specialises in looking at all those things that assess risk. Adam, how are you, mate? Very well, Mike. Thank you very much for having me on. My job is to use our data to understand the transport industry. We have a wonderful position where because of our size, we see enough trends and incidents that we can report on things that might not be visible to an individual transport operator or driver. I've had made available to me a series of NTARC or commonly called Natasi reports and I've had a bit of a read through them and they show me a lot of trends in the industry and that's information that's been generated from sources that you have for yourself and for NTI. Why do NTI do that, mate? Tell us a bit about these reports and why you do it. So the background of this, I have to give absolute credit to my predecessor, a gentleman by the name of Owen Driscoll. Back in the early 2000s, Owen was advocating for better accident investigation and better understanding of truck crashes. 
he did some work with the Australian Transport Safety Bureau in, I think, 2001. But that unfortunately didn't proceed to the ATSB having responsibility for road transport crashes. So in 2003, Owen started the Natasi Major Accident Investigation Report series. So it looks at truck crashes over $50,000 total incident value, we term major. And it looks at what trends, what patterns we see in that data, what's changing year on year. But over the next 16 years of Owen's stewardship, and I picked up in 2019, it's grown to be a unique in the world resource around trends in heavy vehicle crashes. And at my time at the NHVR, we very much sat there and waited for it to come out because it told us about the effectiveness of heavy vehicle safety regulation in a way that no other resource in Australia or, to be honest, the world really does. I've got Dr Vincent Ho, the gut doctor, and I want to ask him about colon cancer testing and the risks for those of us, like me, who are over 50. How are you, Vincent? What do I need to know? Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me on your show. And look, bowel cancer is such an important topic. The reason why it's important is that it causes the second highest number of cancer deaths in Australia. It's just after lung cancer. So it's really important. The good news about bowel cancer is that 90% of bowel cancer cases can actually be cured if you pick it up early. So it's all about picking up bowel cancer early, and that's where the bowel cancer screening comes in. The great thing about bowel cancer screening in this country is that Australians between the ages of 50 and 74 are basically going to be sent out a kit every two years, what we call the Fecal Occult Blood Test Kit. So that's a little kit that's really useful for picking up early signs of bowel cancer because what it does is it looks for little traces of blood in your stools. The fecal cup blood test kit is really important in picking up some of the precursors for bowel cancer, and that's often these little growths called polyps. And if we find that on investigations, they can be cut out, and it means that somebody's risk of developing bowel cancer is significantly reduced. So it's a great thing to have that particular test kit done. Episode 10 kicked off with some great new music from Dane Sharp. We had a chat with Alan Pincott talking about the infamous Copy Southbound video. And I spoke with Lachlan Benson from Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds. Headed into town 
in my rear view I saw a smile, not a frown Someone said you look like you just won the lottery Is there something you're not telling me? Cause I've got blue skies Far as the eye can see Got my friends Got a great family Living in A land that's free Somebody's watching over me Managed to dig up the fella that was in the Copy Southbound video. Now, you've all seen it, I'm sure. Alan Pincott, his name is, and he used to work for Vic Roads. He's the fella that introduces the chef in the video. Now, here you go to Sydney tonight. Here's your bag again. Now, make sure you hide that at the cops, will you? By uh, midnight or so, you should have had a little fair bit of that. You'll be hooking it. Smile for f- You'll be hooking in up there the cutter. Now, shit happens. We all understand that. You put your shades on. Now, you'll be hooking... Yeah, copy Southbound, yeah, what's it like up here? Oh, I think the dish, the load just shifted here. Oh, copy Southbound, just uh, shut it off behind me there, mate. I think this load just shifted. And, uh, oh, oh, I've just gone over. Right, now, first thing you do, you get your gear, you hide it, for f***'s sake. Now, we'll, don't worry, we'll give you another another bigger bag. Now, this one won't happen. Now, you make sure you hide that in the trailer. Now, you see where you went wrong? You're hooking in, you're hooking in, you've lifted instead of holding the flat. Oh, oh, I showed sh- it. Now, if that's the second time that's happened, chances are you'll be finding another job. <laughs> He's been gracious enough to come along and have a bit of a chat with us and obviously have a bit of a reference to that video, but we really want to talk about the message that was supposed to be in that video. I wanted to find out the story behind it. So how are you going, Helen? Excellent, Mike. All's going well. Have you got anything in the cab we need to hide, mate? Uh, mate, I was hooking it up near the cut. <laughs> 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 
I still don't know who the mongrel was that made that, but very funny. I'll buy him a beer one day. He comes forward. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what. As I've said to uh, several people since I said I'd get hold of you for a bit of a chat, I've seen that video. It's still being used as a training video. I've seen it a couple of times, and you go there and you sit down, and it comes on, and there'll be a few titters amongst the audience, a few little laughs, and something like, have you seen this, mate? Have you seen it? Everyone has a bit of a laugh about it, but it's not what it was meant to be, is it, mate? Not really, but... It did work out okay. Now, the, the video came about from some work we did with the forest industry about 10 years ago. Turned out to be very good and had some really good outcomes. And Vic Rose got some dollars together and we put that video together. And it's actually, strangely enough, the video was really just supposed to be a promotional type video to highlight the work we were doing. And it got picked up as a training package right across the country and some of the world, which Sometimes we look back and think, well, I wish we'd done a slightly better job on it. And one day we will do the proper job on it. It is funny, though, the copy southbound version, <laughs> uh, as funny as it is. No matter where you go, bring out that little log truck. I've still got the one out of the video and people recognise it. And mm. it actually helps out. You might turn up in the back blocks of Western Australia somewhere to talk to people. And they don't really like Victorians coming over there to tell them what to do. As soon as they <laughs> see the truck, there's a little bit of a mood breaker and we all have a good day out, which is great. morning, Lachlan, and thanks for joining us as our very first guest on Ask the Expert. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much for that, Andy. Really great to be here. Thanks to NTI, who are our top-tier sponsor of the Healthy Heads Foundation. So, Lachlan, who exactly is Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds? I'll start at the very beginning and just say, look, we, you know, Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds is a not-for-profit foundation charity. Mm -hmm. We have been set up to deliver a single national mental health plan for the road transport and logistics industries. The objects of the foundation, if you like, our constitutional objectives are to promote the prevention and control of mental health issues in truck drivers, distribution centre and warehouse staff and other road industry participants, as well as to support healthier options around diet, exercise and individual wellbeing. And so what we're aspiring to be is the overarching umbrella body for the road transport logistics industry for mental health through the facilitation and creation of this single national mental health plan. In episode 11, I spoke with Paul Burke from NTI about specialised roadside assistance for truckies and Beck gave us something to think about in regard to having a plan on the road. We're chatting with Paul Burke from NTI about the importance of knowing what to do and how to do it if your truck breaks down. Good morning, Paul. Oh, good day, Andy. So, essentially, what is Truck Assist? How does it work? Truck Assist is a business unit of NTI, who are Australia's biggest specialist insurer. Mm -hmm. And Truck Assist is Australia's leading provider of specialist breakdown assistance for trucks. Our roadside assistance programs are designed specifically for heavy commercial vehicles, so trucks and buses and equipment to cover the whole country. We run assistance programs for many of the truck manufacturers. In fact, about 50% of all new trucks sold in Australia each year are supported by one of our programs. Right. But I guess just as importantly, we have a roadside assistance offering that any truck owner can buy for their trucks and receive the same sort of roadside assistance cover that these new trucks enjoy. Mm. So I'd encourage anybody who's interested to visit our website at truckassist.com.au to have a look and get an understanding of the cover available. For sure. Well, we are all familiar with roadside support for car drivers with NRMA, RACQ, all that. But I guess there are times that truckies need a breakdown service too. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it comes down to peace of mind for owners and drivers. 
if there is an unfortunate event of a breakdown, that they have someone to call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing worse than breaking down on the side of the road and not knowing who to call and what to do. So with truck assistance, it's a simple matter of calling the 1800 number and leaving it up to us to coordinate service providers to attend the roadside or organise tow trucks to get you out of trouble. G'day guys, it's Beck, and today I'm going to have a chat with you about having a plan on the road. After any accident or incident, the very first thing to do is ensure everyone's safety. Before an accident or incident though, the best thing to do is have a think about the variety of potential emergency situations you may face on the road and plan what your responses will be. It's too late to start thinking about what to do when it's gone sideways and the pressure is on. Not all emergencies on the road involve an accident. You may have time to respond to what's happening and take action to reduce the problem and the risk. You may just as easily be in a situation where your choices are very limited. Much better to have a plan that's been thought through calmly. Just grab the list and follow the instructions. Clearly the responses required for all the potential emergencies you may face could fill a good size volume and just add to the stress. Drivers operating in the dangerous goods space always have a procedure guide in the driver's door pocket. This is the style of document all drivers should aim to have in their hand when they need it. If this happens, do that. Simple. The one and only Yogi Kendall, Outback Trucker and Larrikin of Note joins Mike in episode 12 for a chat and a laugh. And I talk about weather forecasting with Network 10 weatherman Mike Larkin. G'day, how are you, Yogi? (laughs) Mate, it's going to be one of those things, isn't it? You're going to laugh, and I'm going to laugh, and everyone's going to laugh. Yeah, well, what did you say to me? Don't say anything you regret. I don't say anything I regret. (laughs) (laughs) How's life in Western Australia, mate? It's a very, very interesting time at the moment now, but really it is. It's been a bit wet last week. Harvest is not really going. We're going to have two solid weeks of good weather, so I think we'll get a good run at it. I worked all last weekend. Mm. And then I sat around till Wednesday till my first job this yeah. week. You know? <laughs> so that's about where we're up to at the moment and the life and times of an owner operator. You know? Yeah. Little Bird told me you did a bit of four by four and a big rig. A four by four and a big rig. <laughs> yeah, I should start my own four wheel driving show. So yeah, we're in uh, in eighteen wheels of four wheel driving. Like, I don't know how that works when you're eighteen by four by four. I can't oh, look. I haven't got my songs on. I can count them out on my toes, but you know. Right. So we'll get there. We were filming the other day for season nine. Done a couple of east west runs, and I've got a couple more east west runs pegged in the next month or so. But they're struggling with crews with water restrictions and quarantine and stuff like that. So they sort of said to me, look. Why don't we come down with you and just do a week, a few days at the start of the week? We'll just come down. With, what do you reckon you're going to do? So the setup was I was going to do a local job, mm. and then I had a couple of deadheaders to push on, and then I was going to do another contract to move. But none of those jobs happened. <laughs> so when the boys are ringing me Thursday or Friday morning going, we're coming down Monday, you're all set? Yeah, all set. Monday morning, right, we're not going there, we're not going here, we're not going here, it's raining. Yep. And they're going, oh, man, what do you mean it's raining? And I'll go, well, it's raining. We're moving contractors. Like it's, once, it, once it rains down here on the south coast and the southern part of Western Australia, everyone wants to move. Yep. So we moved ahead of from beautiful weather, and you look 180-degree view to the, well, basically to the west was black storm, dark clouds, you know. <laughs> so, hmm. so we come belting along, and just as I turned on the dirt, I turned the wipers on, and stay tuned next week. The rest is history. Ah, <laughs> so, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> uh. 
Weather patterns are changing in Australia, moving from the hot and dry conditions of El Nino into a La Nina period with its associated rains and floods. This week, we're joined by Network 10 weather presenter Mike Larkin to talk about how these changes will affect truckies on the road. Good morning, Mike, and welcome to On the Road. Thank you, Andy. It's uh, my pleasure to be a part of your national program. So I'll start by saying what I provide is always a forecast, not a promise. Right. <laughs> As you uh, possibly are aware, I've been working with NZIT to, I guess, educate transport operators on what they can expect and how to stay safe this summer weather season. So I guess that's probably uh, where we're heading. Talk is that we're in for a wet summer this year. Can you tell us a bit about La Nina and how it's different to what we've experienced with recent drought and bushfires? Yes, yeah, certainly you can, Andy. I guess on a daily basis, we talk about the weather. Longer term, it's about the climate. And the two major factors in the climate, La Nina and El Nino. And they're the two weather systems we hear about. Now, they both typically last on nine to 12 months and they occur around every three to five years. Mm. So the weather pattern is sort of determined in Australia whether you've got an El Nino or a La Nina affecting us. Now, a La Nina is the weather phenomenon that blows the warmer water across the Pacific Ocean to Australia, and that's what's occurring now. So the result is always more rainfall, so we're expecting more rainfall this season, and therefore more flooding. And with that in mind, it will be probably an early onset to the first rains of our wet season. In episode 13, WA truckie Heather Jones of the Pilbara Girls fame speaks with Mike and Andrew McCowan from NTI shares some great advice about how to deal with having an accident. Plus there's some great music from Brisbane-based rockers Street Pieces. Heather Jones is a truckie up in the northwest of Western Australia. She's been in a truck for a long time, I believe. Raised the girls in the back of a truck. Yes. Homeschooled them in the sleeper. I'm on the east coast in Sydney. And where are you? I'm in Caratha in my yard. It's heading towards 40 degrees. It's just after 8am in the morning. Mm. So, yeah, a bit of a contrast there. So where's the big pink Mac? It's in the yard. It's having a new passenger side windscreen replaced today. All right. One of our issues up here is we've got a lot of oversized loads on the road at the moment, doing lots of movements, and vehicles pull over into the gravel and shower us with rocks. You lose a windscreen. Yes, so you lose windscreens on a regular basis up here. You do. So I saw you up there with Glenn Stirl recently and he was having a bit of a drive and you were there supervising. Did he need much supervision? No, no, he was quite good. But the Mac's pretty awesome to drive. That's an automatic. So if you've been out of a truck for a few years, Hmm. the best thing to jump back into is an automatic to get all your skills back on track Hmm. and then go from there. (laughs) I don't know. I think I'm man enough to drive an automatic. I'm certainly man enough to wear pink. If I ever get up there, I'll have to have a go. Oh, absolutely. And I think you might change too. Like, you know, I've been chasing gears up and down a box for 30 years. And the two automatics that we've got, I don't know about your left shoulder, but mine's pretty wrecked from being a shorty, pulling my seat forward and trying to change gears pretty much behind your seat. Mm. So, yes, my left shoulder loves the automatic now. Oh, yeah, and the left knee. I know what it's like for me driving around (laughs) in traffic. We're joined by Andrew McCowan, NTI's Manager for Incidents and Emergency Response. Good morning, Andrew, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for asking me. Yeah, I've been in the heavy transport industry going on 30 years. I've been in the heavy recovery industry for 25 years. Mm-hmm. In my role in that, I was the manager of a very large heavy recovery firm here in southeast Queensland. 
and it gave me insights to my new job, which is now the Incident and Emergency Response Manager for National Transport Insurance. Let's have a good look at the subject here. Let's paint a hypothetical picture. Mm-hmm. You're a driver. You've just been involved in an incident on the road. What happens next? What do we need to do? Dust yourself off, I guess. Yeah. Immediately be aware of your environment, mm. where you might be, whether you're on like a freeway or, or you're on an outback road. Uh, orientate yourself. Yeah. If you can, in your state of mind, you're able to, you want to start managing your risk. Am I okay? Is everyone else okay? Is there a third party involved? All those sorts of things that you probably would automatically start to think of. Mm. That's what you would start to do. So you get out of your truck, make sure that you're in a safe position first. Then you start to look around and see what's happening around you. Right. What comes next? A whole raft of things. It depends on the severity of the accident and, again, where you are. Sure. Obviously, the most important thing is ensuring your own safety first. If you can't do that, you can't look after others. Yes. What about things like other people in the area, bystanders, towies, police, emergency services? Let's just say you've had a, a quite severe accident. Hmm. Depending on the nature of the vehicle that you drive, whether it's a rigid truck or a multi-trailer vehicle. And the other thing to take into account is what your loading is, whether any hazardous goods or dangerous goods that you might or may not be carting. Hmm. What you really want to do is, as you quite rightly said, is to make sure that you at first are okay and render assistance to anyone else there that you can reasonably do. If, for example, it's just a single vehicle accident and you run off the road, you want to see whether there is any risk to any other road users who may be coming behind you in the dark of night. Right. Or alternatively, on a fast-running freeway, that you may be able to make a phone call to somebody and get immediate assistance about controlling the traffic flow. Right. That's what you're looking to do. You're looking to stop a secondary accident.
Murray Lay from WA chats with Mike in episode 14 about some really big rigs and about some trucking history in the wild, wild west. I have got a bit of a treat for you today. Like named Murray Lay. Now, Murray is the managing director of one of the largest fleets of trucks in the country. Is that right, Murray? Yeah, I think we've got a fleet in the order of 120 or 30 road trains, Mike. Well, I was reading you do about 150,000 Ks a day, your fleet. Yeah, so our fleet is based all over WA in the Northern Territory and is operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So every one of our trucks typically does sort of between six and a half and 7,000 hours a year. And on any one day, we sort of average between sort of 130 and 180,000 Ks. Tell you what, that's a hell of a diesel bill and a hell of a tyre bill, mate. Yeah, we, we churn through a bit, yep. Can I just ask you a rude question, mate? Far away. How many thousand litres of diesel do you burn a day? Oh, I wish I could answer that question for you, Mike. But um, <laughs> All right, well, we won't worry about it then. I don't look at it because it's a scary number, right? I'm sure it would be. Typically, our business burns in excess of sort of seven or eight million litres a month. Wow. Seven or eight million litres of diesel a month. Yep. That's just incomprehensible. It really is. Mate, I believe you started off as a one-man operation with someone helping you out. And now, as I say, you've got one of the largest fleets of mining equipment in the country. How did you get there, mate? How did you convince the wife to let you borrow five bucks? Well, I didn't have a wife at that point in time. So <laughs> um, it's a chain of events, really. So I was born into a transport family. So my parents had trucks and earth-moving gear and you know, worked in and out of the family business over a period of years. But then I did a trade as a baller maker welder and mm. finished that trade, did, did a bit of stuff back in the family business drive and went away and worked for a series of guys all over the country, really. But then come back to work for a fellow called Doug Gould in Kalgoorlie that was a you know, relatively small but quite innovative operator at that point in time. So he was one of the first operators at Quad Road Trains. One thing led to another and an opportunity came up within the family business to buy out one small part of it, which was one truck and one small contract. You know, that was kind of my leg up, really. It was, a, it was a truck that was already operating. So I walked off to the bank as a 25-year-old and asked my friendly bank manager for a fairly large amount of cash and bought my first truck and, and we got into it. It's very interesting to people, you might not be aware, but on the East Coast, Western Australia is like another planet. I do get that reasonably regularly. You've got a very, very different feel for things over there and a different set of rules and people don't understand why it's the case. So it's a completely different kettle of fish. It is. And where WA is fortunate is we've had a pretty accommodating regulator for a period of time. WA Main Roads, more like, they've been pretty bloody innovative and, and have allowed some operators that push their boundaries. Mm. Locally, as an example, when tri-drives and quad-road trains first come into fruition here in WA, you know, nearly 26, 27 years ago, we had a local guy called Gary Connell, who was a fuel distributor, and he went to Main Roads and said, I want to make tri-drive trucks and I want to add an A-trailer in and I want to run quads and I want to do this and I want to do that. And we had a guy called Albert O'Neill was running Main Roads at the time and, and he went, go away, Gary, I like your dreams, but you know, I'm never going to get that through the directors of Main Roads. Anyway, so Gary just went and got them built. <laughs> he got Kenworth to build three tri-drive T501s at the time, and Tymons built the tankers and the dollies for him. And then he rang Albert O'Neill up and said, Albert, there's a plane ticket for you to fly to Kalgoorlie, and I'll have a helicopter waiting for you, and you can watch my tri-drives carting 147,000 litres of fuel to Mount Keith, which is sort of 480 k to the north of here. Yeah. 
And Albert said, what do you mean, Gary? And he said, I've got them built and they've been running to Mount Keith without permits for the last two weeks. <gasps> In episode 15, I chat with Amar Singh about turbines for Australia. Mike catches up with Trevor Warner and follows up with Senator Glenn Stirl. Turbines for Australia are a not-for-profit charity organisation whose aim is to encourage and involve the Sikh community of Australia to help anyone in need regardless of their religion, race or ethnicity. They were front and centre during the bushfires, providing help and support where it was needed. They've given a helping hand to our farmers and they've been active supporting people with needs during COVID. We're joined by Turbines for Australia President Amar Singh. Amar, welcome to On The Road. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Amar, can you tell us a bit about Turbines for Australia? How did the organisation come into being? I'm a truckie, so driving along Sydney one day, I thought something needs to be done to educate people about Australians with a different background, you know, being turban wearing Sikh. Mm-hmm. I get picked on sometimes and thought, okay, look, let's just start a charity with the aim of educating through charity work, you know, because it's about bonding with people and creating common grounds. And that's how Turban for Australia started from a cab of a truck. Right. And it's been one great thing, mate. Yeah, it certainly has. Now, you've done some incredible community work in recent times. Can you share some of these stories with us? It's been really busy 12 months for us. We went straight from serving people in the bushfires, delivering truckloads of water, water, groceries, hand tools, all the way down to the south coast and north up to Tenderfield. So we've been really busy working along the different coastal areas that were ravaged by the fires. Mm. And then we went straight into COVID. We have been running COVID relief centres in Sydney, Canberra, Wollongong, Gold Coast, Melbourne and Brisbane. And we have been doing thousands of meals. We've done over 100 tonnes of groceries and all of our meals and hampers are 100% free. So anybody that picks up a meal or a hamper from us, they don't have to pay a cent because we work on our donations. So any donation we get goes back into the community and people just get the meals. In Sydney alone, we did about 30,000 meals during COVID. Wow. And they were delivered to people at different charities or homeless groups that were providing meals for people in the park. They couldn't cook anymore due to the COVID. So we actually used to get their orders, have the meals prepared by two or three o'clock, and then they pick it up from us. Right. So it's just about helping the grassroots charities sustain their communities because a lot of those people didn't have any support before COVID, but COVID made it so much harder with people who have no backup support in terms of providing meals and that for needy and homeless people. Trevor Warner is from up Queensland. Why we won't hold that against him. How are you, Trevor? How are you going, mate? G'day, Mike. Yeah, good. I want to have a quick chat with you about the Fair Work Commission thing that you've been involved in, that latest piece that's been in Big Rigs talking about loading and unloading and how the fight is going to continue. My brief understanding is that Fair Work have said that long-distance drivers aren't entitled to get paid to load and unload the trucks. It's all covered in the award. We've been hearing this for years, mate. Well, that's what it's turned out to be. We've had since, since 1993... We've had case after case of disputes about this. The corporate view of how these trip rates were put together, it's been discussed for the last 30 years. But the flavour of what we're reading, that we're all what we call line haul drivers, which you turn up with your bag, your trailers are already loaded, you check your straps, you make sure it's all roadworthy, do your pre-trip check and jump in the hook up to your trailers and then get going. You don't essentially touch the load. Now, if we all did that, we wouldn't have a problem because we could do the work in the legal time frame. We wouldn't be stressed and it'd kind of like be a normal job. Mm. Now, I've done Toll IPEC before, I've done Star Trek, and that's the way that it is. It's a fair call. 
But what we're finding now is the load managers and the allocators have got wind of how it's worded and they've gone, well, yeah, no, we can get that long-distance guy to go out to Eastern Creek and then go to Campbelltown and then maybe back to Eastern Creek to get his paperwork. Mm. Then he can head off to Melbourne. So all of a sudden, your 10-hour day has now been blown out to 17 hours. Yeah. So the Fair Work Commission spoke about trip rates and everything's included in that trip rate according to the schedule that they've negotiated. But the trouble is the industry's changed. People have got smarter. They've found legal loopholes. So those schedules no longer apply. And what we were saying was, to use your quote, the pay stops and the day continues. That's right. The day goes on, but the pay doesn't, mate. Senator Glenn Stirl is running the road transport inquiry at the moment. Mate, thanks for having me on. You're hearing some very interesting evidence, mate. I've had the pleasure of listening to a lot of it. I think you're getting a pretty good picture out there that everything isn't as rosy as some would have you believe. What I've actually rung you about today is to get a comment from you about the recent Fair Work Commission ruling in response to Trevor Warner and Brendan McKay's application that they made. Mm. First things first, mate, I, I just looked. There were several people who were filing in favour of the application, Trev Warner, Brendan McKay, Roberto Dodds, Russell Watty and Glenn Castanelli. Now, I know Trevor and Glenn personally. I mean, they're both staunch advocates for the industry and and Trevor has appeared before you in Brisbane, as I'm sure you remember. He has, yep. The startling thing I find, mate, what Trevor's talking about is getting long-distance drivers paid for all the work they do loading and unloading trucks. And I can't see an issue with that. In fact, it makes sense to me, and my position on this is well known. The people that are against or filed in opposition to the application are the ones that surprised me. The National Road Transport Association, NatRoad, Australia Road Transport Industrial Organisation, the South Australian Road Transport Association, and the Transport Workers Union are against blokes getting paid for what they do. I know that you've had an affiliation with the union in the past and you're an advocate for the union, mate, but it's pretty hard to justify that position, isn't it? Mike, look, I've read the decision. I've spoke with Trevor. I talked to Trevor up in Queensland, caught up with him a couple of weeks ago, Mm. and good on Trevor. I personally know Trevor and Glyn, as you do, and I support what they do. I haven't had the ability to talk to RTO, the TWU, Nat Roads, or the National Road Freighters Association. Mm. I would expect that SARTA would be out there probably opposing it. I'm thinking maybe there's a grand plan. Mm. So before I chop anyone's toes off, yeah. I'd just say, geez, I'd like to talk to them. Mm. But I've got to say this, mate, and you know me, Mike. Yeah. I fully support and endorse the work that Trevor and Co and Glenn and, and others have done. Well, that's our 2020 roundup, folks. Don't forget to hear any or all of these interviews in full. Just go back to the track episode listing and you can choose to listen into any or all of them if you miss them the first time around. Once again, Happy New Year from us all here at On The Road. See you next week for the first real episode for 2021. To take us out, here's Jane Denham with Addicted to the Diesel.
On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.